Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Ortega. Uh, with us today, we have Miles, Luke Braun, and Miles and Luke Braun from Lockdown Vikings. And uh, we have a great show for you tonight. We're going to talk preseason games. We're going to talk training camp updates. Uh, Luke just got back to California from a week at training camp live. So lots to go over. Stay tuned. Grab a drink. Favorite Lake Monster beer. And uh, we'll be right back. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Skull! Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour. I am your host, Ryan Ortega. Joined with me today is my co-host, Miles Gorham. Uh, We have our ever-reliable producer, Dave, in the back there, and a special guest, Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings. Uh, You can find him on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. Luke, how are we doing today? Doing great, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Skull everybody in the chat. Absolutely. Miles, I see the the jumper in the background. How are the kids doing? How's the fam doing? Yeah, fam's good, man. Yeah, I, I I thought about moving it, and I was like, nah, I'm, I'm done doing that stuff. I'll just leave it. Just got to be you, man. The world needs to yeah. see you. Maybe you'll see Dave? my kid in the back jumping. Who knows? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's a wonderful day for football. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of which, we had our first – um, joint practice with the 49ers today. Luke, I know you aren't live there today, but I know you've got a lot of coverage uh, going on there. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about training camp and uh, and what's happening right now? Yeah, well, so for today, I got to go secondhand. But from all the secondhand reports, looking at both what Vikings reporters and 49ers reporters said, because that'll kind of give you both ends of the story, it seems like the Vikings had a really good day like across the board offense, their offense beat the 49ers defense, their defense beat the 49ers offense. It seemed like Christian Derrissaw probably on the whole, at least kept up with Nick Bosa. If not out Nick Bosa, there was like one good Nick Bosa rep in one-on-ones and the rest of it was pretty much um, neutralized, which is like, that's a lot to take in. Um, Justin Jefferson made life hell for those corners. Now, I believe they're missing a couple of their top corners right now. So there might be a strength of competition thing. But still, what Justin Jefferson seems to be doing at camp right now is uh, he's kind of painting outside the lines. And and there's a lot of artistic stuff with that route running. It's sort of expanding beyond the usual limits that route running like have. And in a very focused and like creative and like directed way that I, I don't know. He's going for 2000 this year, man. It's like it's happening. Um, yeah, a, a lot of great stuff coming out of all of it. I think the headlines probably that Ed Ingram took the whole day with the ones. And after what we saw in the preseason games against the Raiders, that makes a lot of sense. And I would probably go as far to, to as to say that that battle is over. Nice. That's great to hear. I love it. Miles, any secondhand stuff that you saw today that uh, you wanted to take note of? Yeah, I think um, when you saw guys like Cam Dancer make a few de- decent plays, at least what I was able to see, some clips. Um, I know some guys like Patrick Peterson got burnt uh, by the 49ers rookie Danny Gray. That stuff's going to happen. But, you know, hopefully we don't see that too often on, on Sundays. But um, I think I think both sides probably did, did good overall, like Luke mentioned, as, you know, I wasn't there either, but watching reports and trying to keep an eye on things and seeing highlights and, and some videos and things. But, um uh, I think the Ed Ingram thing is the most interesting storyline right now, just because um, they brought in Jesse Davis. Obviously, I think Chris Reed's been hurt, um, but he kind of was phased out of that right guard job a while ago, and they decided to slide him to center. 
um, backup center. Um, so it was always between Davis and, and Ingram. And I think to Luke's point, you know, Ed, Ed showed on uh, against the Raiders that, you know, he's picking up the playbook and he's playing well. And so that obviously when those go hand in hand, he's showing enough that he's better than a, a veteran that the Vikings signed for $3 million. So, um, which a guy, that guy's going to be around. So it's not like they're just going to cut Jesse Davis. So um, pretty, pretty impressive overall for a second round pick. You want him to, do, you want him to win that job, but it's just nice to see this early in camp for a guy like um, for Ingram. Hopefully he can, he can hold on to it, but um, it's good to see. I also wanted to mention, this was from, from the, the Raiders game. I was ta- talking to Luke about this before the show, because I can't quit him. BC Johnson. I thought just from the game, I thought the opportunities, BC Johnson was getting open. And I was telling Luke, I, it's even surprised me a little bit that he looked more explosive than he did pre-injury. I'm not saying BC Johnson's some burner now or anything like that, but he looked like he had a little bit more um, juice to him than I even thought uh, pre-injury, pre-ACL. So it was just good to see like a guy like that who's a, a bubble roster player, a guy that you know is a depth player, um, someone I liked coming out of, the, out of college at a, a Colorado State, just you know coming back from injury and looking pretty decent. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and in the comments here, Brian had mentioned depth's important too. And and that's like the 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 great thing about this, right? Even though Jesse Davis got pancaked by Kinlaw today, which just looked awful, um, we, we do have a reliable depth behind the rookie at Ingram if if he ends up winning this job. We have maybe some reliable depth at receiver if any of our receivers do go down in in like a BC Johnson, uh, Amir Smith Marset looks like he's making some plays uh, at camp, maybe not as reliable, but you know, still making some splash plays. So, so that's definitely great. Uh, Miles, you had brought kind of last week into the fold, and I want to jump back over to Luke here. Luke, you got to spend all of last week at camp, uh, flying up from your home in California up to your home state here in Minnesota and spend the week up here. Walk us just through uh, some of those takeaways, some highlights, lowlights uh, from your, from your week here at training camp, and then we'll dive into last week's game. Yeah, I guess so. I saw kind of what a lot of the hype was about. We heard a lot of hype about Cameron Dantzler at camp. I kind of I saw what was probably his best day, um, where he actually looked like he made Justin Jefferson look mortal. Um, Christian Darrisaw, you kind of saw a lot of that. Um, Zadarius Smith gave has given Christian Darrisaw a lot, especially if like if you can catch some one on ones between those two guys. Zadarius is putting everything into it. I mean, it's like two, three moves. He's stringing stuff together. Daniel Hunter's doing the same thing over on the other side with Brian O'Neill, and these guys are holding their own against it, if not defeating it outright. Um, the like those matchups just feel like Pro Bowler on Pro Bowler to me. Um, and I I don't even think that's crazy to say. Like Darius's all the Trent Williams stuff is really funny, but he's he's cooking, man. Like he's balling. Um, I'm really excited to see some live action with him. Um, some more live action with him because we only got a little bit with the Raiders. Um, yeah, it's, it's been really cool. And I, I did a lot of focusing on the receivers and a, a lot of focusing on scheme in that week and trying to figure out this O'Connell playbook and kind of learn the McVay concepts and see which ones that, you know, they're really focusing on. Um, and what I found was interesting was the, the fullback use, you know, they spent a whole day practicing lead plays with fullbacks in and with ham and Vargas. Now they just cut Vargas. Um, and I think that's going to be the key difference really with O'Connell. I mean, O'Connell's really using just straight up stuff from the McVay playbook. Like it looks real familiar if you watch the 2021 Rams, um, except there's a fullback instead of a tight end or instead of an extra receiver or something like that, which is going to change a little bit about how the run plays go, but also maybe change the personnel on the defense that you're seeing. You're going to have a lot more linebackers. And if you get a lot more linebackers on the field, that's more linebackers you can exploit by trying to have somebody like Justin Jefferson run a return over the middle of the field and maybe get into a linebacker's zone. And then suddenly you got a mismatch there. Um, that seems like it's going to be the key difference and how that all shapes out over the, the first couple weeks of the season. I'm going to be watching with a really keen eye. Absolutely. Any, uh, I know you talked a lot offense there, right? Anything on the, uh, we have a couple of high caliber defensive rookies in with scene mm. booth. I know, you know, the listeners here are excited about this rookie class. Three of our top four picks, uh, including Asamoah there are rookies, can you talk to us about anything that you saw from training camp and then we'll get into the game from there? Yeah, they all look really uh, like the guys they were in college, um, which is pretty good news that those, the guys they were in college were guys the Vikings wanted on their team. And they look like that is kind of translated both the good and the bad of it. You know, Um, Booth is still a really 
technically very good corner. Um, and he's he's got all the athleticism and he's got some pretty ahead of his years polish. Um, and then he wants to fight everybody. And of course, that's really fun. And he's grabby as hell and he's going to get a million flags. He got that double penalty in the Raiders game. If you have to put Booth on the field, you're going to get some of that. Um, but, you know, that's young guy stuff. And if that can settle down, then I think you've got a real corner on your hands. Lewis Seen is also kind of the guy you thought he was in uh, coming out of college. He's very bursty, very rangy. Um, and he can do very versatile, right? He, they've got him doing all these different roles. Um, he's probably a half step late to stuff right now. Like he's a half step away from being a starting safety. That's kind of the way I've been um, thinking ab- about him. And that's really good for a rookie who's played one preseason game. Um, I think right now Cameron Bynum is beating him out for the job. And I think Dantzler's beating Booth out for the job. Um, but both of those are situations I think could turn upside down middle of the season. No problem at all. Um and then for for Asamoa, it's very aggressive. Um, and we saw some of that in the preseason game where he can kind of get from one side of the sideline to the other. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then there's the the bad of that where he'll kind of go too far into deep water and then he'll run himself out of the play, overrun the play. Um, so he's got to learn to like settle down a little bit. Those, those are, that's what I'm getting up to. I had to look up the word cherubric on uh, real quick just to make sure I understood it. I thought I understood it, and I was right. So, bravo. Okay. <laughs> yeah, everybody else can Google that. That's <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> no, uh, I had a question true. for you, Luke. How, how did, what did you think of uh, Caleb Evans? So, like, obviously the cornerback depth, cornerback competition. What have you thought of him so far? Like, I've heard ups and downs like you wouldn't expect any mid-round rookie. Um, but just curious what your thoughts are of him. I so you caught me literally right in the middle of wa- reviewing his preseason tape, so I, I might have to get back to you. But on I, that. even even um, even just practice though, like just practice. Either. Yeah, not tested a lot. Um, it, right now, I think he's reacting uh, like really aggressively to a lot of stuff, which is a good place to be for a rookie. You know, you don't want him to be thinking and hesitating and stuff. He's seeing stuff. He's going after it. He's not always right, but that's I like when a rookie is feeling confident. Um, but I, he did not stand out a lot one way or another, which is, you know, for a corner, that could be a really good thing, right? You don't want that guy to be the guy getting all the attention. Like an, um, but like that's an probably, alignment. yeah, yeah. But that probably reflects more on me, just like not having that, <laughs> that could have an eye to see him. So I wouldn't take that uh, all the way to the bank. Um, yeah, I, I wish I had a better answer. I have not been able to keep that good of an eye on them. And obviously he's becoming a fan favorite interacting with fans both on social media and stuff like that. So it's, um, you know, again, from reports, it seems like he's making some plays here and there, but again, we're talking second, third teamers. Um, once he gets reps with Justin Jefferson, we'd see how that maybe would go. So, um, no, fantastic. Thanks Luke. Let, let's dive into the preseason game. Obviously. Um, I think there is a lot of, um, a lot to kind of go over in that preseason game, just given the fact that we didn't get to see Kirk. So it was a lot of mind, a lot of Mannion. Um, we got to see a lot of these rookies uh, play, you know, some meaningful reps uh, against the Raiders. Um, Miles, why don't we, we kick it over to you? We'll just kind of do like a little round robin here. Us, us three can kind of go over each of our takeaways here. But let's start on a positive note. Um, any positive take- takeaways you took from the uh, preseason game with the Raiders? I thought the Vikings showed that they have one of, if not the best running back depth in the league. Um, I think that was very, very, I mean, Madison was probably the least um, like fun one to watch. Like he was probably the least explosive, the one that like didn't really show, like we know what Madison is. So it's not, that's not, I'm not even trying to knock Alexander Madison. We know what Alexander Madison is. He's a very good, capable backup running back, but Ty Chandler, um, Kenny Nwangu, those both, both those guys, looked really good in their opportunities and they looked explosive. Um, Ty Chandler, I looked like to me, he showed like he had a little bit more vision, uh, better vision, uh, cutting than, uh, Nwangu did. But, um, I thought, I thought he looked really good. And, uh, yeah. Um, so I thought the running back group uh, as a whole, uh, did a really good job. Absolutely. Luke. Um, I want to go with Harrison Phillips because Jesus, I mean, that dude was a wrecking ball. Um, 
just nuke in the middle of the field. He was abs- making the center's life absolute hell. He was in the back. He just lived in the backfield. Uh, whether he was taking the O-line women with him in the backfield or just penetrating and getting in there himself, TFL's pressures, he looked... Uh, unreal and Dalvin Tomlinson I thought had like a pretty good day and just like totally overshadowed by Harrison Phillips um I I really really loved what I saw out of him um and yeah and then the the running back depth I thought had a really nice day and then I I think Ed Ingram won a starting job he was I think one of the standouts yeah I I agree literally with all of that uh you know in in my notes I took for the show I literally mentioned all that um so I'm gonna go to obviously one talking point that we all know I was gonna talk about uh, and that was Brian Asamoah. Um, again, to Luke's point, uh, yeah, he shot out of cannon every single time. So I remember specifically one time he shot an inside gap and the running back was able to divert to a different gap and get a four-yard gain or something like that, and he completely overran it. Uh, but and then, you know, one or two plays later, he shot an outside zone, and it was I think it was technically a uh, net, net uh, no gain. I don't think it was a tackle for loss, but – he showed his explosion and the fact that that center who was supposed to get up to him wasn't able to reach him in time because of how quickly he reacted to the ball. So um, I think we have a really good, what, line, inside linebacker three, inside linebacker four um, uh, in the depth chart there who's going to be an awesome special teams player. So um, I was really excited about that. I was also excited to see our um, special teams. It looked like our special teams uh, brought in a couple of decent, I mean, I know one was called back for a holding, but a couple of decent returns, which was again fun to see. It was fun to see, and then to see the and I forget his name, but the special teams coach, how like riled up he got and how excited he was to 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 really see his his guys performing. So uh, it's just fun to see these guys having some fun um, and and kind of being themselves out on the field. It seemed like so perfect. Well, let's let's divert into maybe Wait, some areas. real quick, Ryan. Oh yeah, Ryan. Uh, I thought Patrick Jones. I thought I was a little curious. Oh yeah. What, Going into the season, I, I was just because he he was like a like coming out of college, he's a like true four three defensive end. So I wasn't really sure what kind of role he was going to play as they shift to more of a three four. I wasn't sure if they were going to ask him to bulk up, maybe see if he could put his hand in the dirt. Um, I thought that was a little a little much, but I didn't know. I just didn't know what the plan was. Um, but it looks like he's the primary backup um, at outside, uh, you know, out at the edge behind uh, Hunter and um, and Smith. And so I thought he looked better than I even expected. I thought he looked a little bit more explosive. There's a little bit of times I think he still might be a little out of out of his element standing up, but I think he looks more he's getting more comfortable. And I think he was a guy that surprised me a little bit just because we didn't see a lot of him last year, you know, one of the third round picks the Vikings got. Um the the, the third round in general just didn't look good from from the Vikings last year. So to see Patrick Jones if he could be a rotational piece and kind of turn into something, I think that'd be really big for this team. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Actually, when, when we uh, decided to transition to that 3-4 or that 3-4 style, right, um, I actually thought that Patrick Jones was going to probably get phased out and Janarius Robinson was going to get phased in just given how athletic um, Janarius Robinson tested and, and just kind of its play at Florida State. And I, I haven't heard much about Janarius Robinson and Patrick Jones has continued to ascend. So, um, Luke, anything on that, by the way? Like, do you know anything about Janarius or how he's done or did you see any reps at camp? Janaris has been really up and down. Like there's, he's made a couple of splashy plays, and then there's been some pancakes, and he's been on the wrong end of some stuff. Um, I think Patrick Jones is right now far and away the third best edge on the team, um, and you know, outside linebacker or whatever call it, whatever you want to call it. But he's he's far and away the third, and he's still rushing from the five technique spot, and it's just maybe a little more standing up, a little bit you know different tools that you're trying to take care of. Um, but he's still got that talent for leverage and that physicality that we all fell in love with when he was at Pitt. Um, and yeah, he had a, a pretty nice day. There were some blemishes there. Like he's, I don't think he's a starter, uh, but probably the third best edge on the team. And I'm a little worried about the rest of the depth over there. Luigi Villan got a lot of run. He kind of got his butt kicked. Um, there's Zach McLeod. A lot of people are talking about he'll, he's good for like one or two plays a game, but I don't know if that's enough to get you on the team. So yeah, there, there's some rough stuff after Patrick Jones. Um, but I think he's earned himself like a pretty good, like 20 snap at 30 snap a game kind of role. I feel like we'll say this multiple times, probably tonight and throughout the rest of the off season, but it really feels like training camp, but it feels like edge is one outside linebacker depth is one of those pieces that they need to address you know, cut downs or some sort of 
maybe minor minor trade, something like that. Because to your point, Luke, like I think Patrick Jones has a chance to be a pretty decent, you know, depth rotational piece. But in general, I think they need they need to find someone a little bit more established. Yeah, give me like a Stephen Weatherly. Like I'm not asking for the world here. Just give me somebody that it like deserves to be just on a roster. Always bring back the same people. That's like just just <laughs> yeah. like put them on a carousel. <laughs> like somebody who deserves to be the fourth yeah. best edge rusher on an NFL team. You know, 100%. like that's all I need. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, well, let's go into maybe some areas for concern. Um, obviously, there, there, it wasn't all sunshine and, and rainbows uh, this week. So, uh, Luke, why don't we start with you? Uh, some areas for concern, and let's maybe try to keep the QB talk out of it, as we'll probably address that here uh, right after that. <laughs> that was going to be my first one. Um, definitely had some ups and downs on that offensive line. Jesse Davis was a big old mess. He didn't play very much, but he got he he was the culprit on way too many plays for how few plays he was actually in for, which I think is part of why he's been leapfrogged by Ed Ingram now. Um, I thought Austin Schlotman had a really fascinating day. Like there were some really good plays. And then there was some times when he got like kind of walked way back. And then Ed Ingram had to save him um, by, you know, when, when Ingram was looking for work, I thought there was some really weird stuff from the tight ends. I don't know how I feel about these tight ends, especially if Irv Smith's not ready to go. Um, Johnny Munt had some whiff stuff going on. Zach Davidson is still, he's not raw as sushi. Like that was the thing on him. Uh, but it's like a, a nice little tuna sear on him now. There's something, but he's still pretty raw. Yeah, and then the linebacker depth after Asamoah. Um, <laughs> hey, Yuri. Uh, after Asamoah, there's kind of nobody at linebacker. Like, Troy Dye, I don't think, should be on a team right now. He was an absolute catastrophe. Chaz Surratt is 10 miles away from being NFL caliber. Um like Blake Lynch, I guess, but he was playing with like the threes, man. Like it's, it's pretty rough after Asamoah and um, even Asamoah is really up and down. So like, if you have one of Hicks or Kendricks go down, I think that's a big concern. Miles. Yeah. I think um, for me, this, I think the tight ends, I, I, I'm a little, I'm not a little, I'm a lot worried about the tight ends. I think Johnny Munt is a fine, like blocking tight end, like a, two or three, more of like a tight end three, but the Vikings don't really have that second tight end. So, um, and Irv's out basically the rest of the, of the, of camp. So, and preseason. So, um, I'm worried about that tight end group. I think you saw too many whiffs like today, even with uh month, I think, uh, we saw, um, uh, Bosa, Nick Bosa jump in and, and, and clock, uh, Alexander Madison cause, uh, month just got his, his lunch eight. So, um, just, I think Zach Davidson looks lost. I think, I think there's, yeah, he's athletic, but he just looks lost out there. Um, and then they don't have anybody else. So I'm really surprised that they haven't done anything there um, heading into, you know, the third preseason, second preseason game. But um, we'll see what happens at like cutdowns and things. But I just, I'm worried about that position in general. I know they they have CJ Ham, which will help just because they're going to use a tight end or use a fullback. And you don't have to have as many tight ends because they'll probably play three receivers. But um, it, it's obviously still a worry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you again, you guys are basically taking all my talking points, which is totally fine because you know you two know a lot more than I do at this moment in time, so that's great. Um, in general, in yeah. general, but yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I guess what I would say too is just going along with some more depth issues, and and this isn't like a huge concern, but you know, obviously we're three deep at safety, which is good. Um, but we do plan, at least it seems that we're going to do some three safety looks, which means that they're all going to be, you know, pseudo starters in, in situational, uh, defenses. Um, so getting a fourth safety, I think would be something that would be, you know, more positive. I saw Jamar Johnson, uh, was cut from the Broncos and I thought maybe there was going to be some steam there given he knows Donatel's defense and, uh, he's a young guy, second year player and. He just got caught up in a really deep uh, safety room uh, down there in Denver. So I'm surprised that we didn't see, you know, maybe a, a pickup of him on our team uh, after today or in who knows, maybe he still will be. But um, that, that's, I guess, the only thing. I don't think uh, Metellus played overly well. Miles Dorn didn't really stand out. Um, I don't even know who the sixth safety was. But uh, yeah, Brown. so pride of Miami oh, yeah. of Ohio. 
Well, there you go. There you go. So like, I just even and it, I mean, if I had to say something else, just because you guys took the, you know, kind of took the lead on some of the other stuff, a linebacker was also very concerning outside of Asamoah for me. So um, now, obviously, the big talking point was the quarterbacks. Right? Well, what, well, Ryan, if you don't have one, what about what do you think of like the DNs, like the in the three four? Not, I'm not talking like Hunter and and Smith, but like defensive the, the Armin Watts. Yeah, Armin, Armin Watts, Watts and obviously Dalvin Harrison, Phil- Harrison Phillips and Dallin Top- Dalvin Thomas, and like I think those two are good. But like, what do you think of that like third spot and like the the depth there? Yeah, I mean, I it sounds like Armin Watts has has been playing well. I, I don't think he overly flashed in the preseason game, but I mean, I think he uh, at least overall throughout training camp has played uh, pretty well. Uh, Ty McGill had uh, had made a couple splash plays, right? Um, I know, and I know he's kind of a. a and I know Ed Donatello, I listened to his presser, um, I think it was yesterday, where that versatility is going to be a big thing for them. So McGill can play all three spots on that D-line, uh, which could you know behoove him. And then obviously we're all probably, at least I am, uh, rooting for Jalen Twyman. And it seemed like he played pretty darn well. I mean, considering he hadn't played football in two years, uh, it seemed like he uh, played pretty well. So I wanted to, um, you know, see a little bit more from him and maybe make a few more splash plays. But I mean, I think he was in on some plays, so I'm not overly concerned about that depth. Now I know there's a lot of rumors that we were looking at, uh, you know, and Dominic Sue um, and, and some others at that spot. So who knows may, but I, it seems like the coaching staff is feeling pretty good about this D line. Luke, have you heard anything on that front anyway? Yeah, the, the D line is probably going to be the strength of the defense and it's going to be what keeps the, like, look, all the corners. I love what they're, what we've seen from them so far, like based on my expectations of them, but my expectations of them are, are, are also like, these are young dudes and Patrick Peterson. Like this is going to be a group that might struggle with some of the better wide receiver rooms in the league. And that defensive line is going to be, I think the saving grace. If this defense works, it's going to be because there's pressure everywhere and the corners can be saved by that. Um, I mean, Daniel Hunter is st- Daniel Hunter, Zadarius Smith, I think looks like his old self and you're going to get a lot of one-on-ones there because Harrison Phillips is a wrecking ball and Dalvin Tomlinson is a very, very good player. Um, and then, yeah, sometimes you'll do that five, two thing where you have like Armand Watts or somebody else, um, you know, rotating around. Sometimes you might do the four, two in nickel and it'll look kind of like what a four, three nickel would look like. You take Armand Watts off. We saw some of that um, or, you know, whoever was behind him when it was the twos. I think th- what's really great about all these guys is the the versatility. Um, where, yeah, and Brian says health will tell the season story, of course, right? Um, but it's the versatility. It's that Zadarius Smith can go anywhere. He that's what he did for Green Bay when Mike Smith and Mike Pettin were there. Um, so you can line him up wherever he wants. You want him to line up. You can. They're going to do the same thing with the Neil Hunter, and you have guys like Harrison Phillips and Dalvin Tomlinson that could rush from zero tech they can rush from three tech they can rush from two like they can move somewhere else so that if you want Zaria smith up against their left guard you can do that without somebody playing in a position they're uncomfortable with yep absolutely absolutely thank you yeah um so i wanted to go into qbs because obviously i wanted to hold off on the negatives because i'm sure that was going to be a, a large talking point in the in the concerns area at least for one of these qbs for sure um, but let, let's dive into it. Obviously it was a up and down day for Mond. In my opinion, I thought he had some, he showed some good things. He also had a lot of missed opportunities. I guess I could say he's pulling his best Kirk cousins, I guess, in terms of, you know, I, I just remember one play specifically where he had, um, I think it was KJ Osborne running a, running a flag route, right? Like up and out. And I was he was running wide open, and and he decided to throw it down to then Kenny Wangu. So again, it wasn't a bad play. You still got the first down, totally fine. But you know you're missing maybe a touchdown play, right? So again, it, it doesn't look like a net negative, uh, but it's it's not as big of a positive as it could be. And again, no shade at Kirk. I think he's playing. He looks like he's playing really well at camp, and I'm really excited for his season. But so a little up and down day, and then Mannion was just brutal like I, I can't even there's no other word to say it so can both of you uh, i don't care who uh, we'll start with luke you can take who you want to talk about here and then miles you you clean up here let's talk about these quarterbacks and and uh, where we go from here potentially 
Yeah, this has been a concerningly back and forth battle with the guy who you drafted in the third round last year in the fight of his life with Sean Mannion. Um, I am still kind of of the opinion when I left training camp, when I flew away from training camp, I was like, I probably cut both of these guys and try to find somebody on the waiver wire or via trade. You know, start. I started DMing other locked on hosts. Hey, what quarterbacks are you guys going to start cutting and talking myself into names like Cooper Rush and Nick Mullins? Um, and I feel like a lot of the names that will be cut are better than these guys. That's it. The, I, leg- the legend, Cooper Rush, the legend, the legendary. How funny would that be? It's exactly what we all deserve. <laughs> um, but like, I thought Mond took a step forward. That's the way I've been saying it in this game. I don't think he took a step to me saying he's QB two, and I'm okay with him, you know, having to step in. If Kirk cousins is in concussion protocol and needs to miss a game, Kellen Mond's going to step in. And I like the chances to maybe we can steal that game. No way. I do not comfortable with him at all. He's way too late on things. He's very hesitant on things. He's declining throws that I don't think he has any business declining. He has a little bit more of a versatile skill set, and he's not rocketing everything like he did in college. That was kind of my concern with him. Um, but like there's some progress and maybe, maybe you could talk me into keeping him on as a third quarterback, as a stash and see if we can keep progressing here, but it's going to be another red shirt thing where I don't care if the whole room gets COVID. I'm probably taking someone up off a practice squad before I put Kellen Mond in the game. I'll let you take wow. Mannion. <laughs> wow. he was worse. Uh, um, I mean, I think most people know my opinions on backup quarterbacks. I mean, it's really hard unless you're like, unless you're drafting somebody and, and like the hope with Kellen Mond was to get like a Desmond Ritter type, like you're hoping like, cause I think Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell, I think those guys are both, they at least right now seem to be ready to be the backup quarterbacks yeah, for their, for their teams. Right. And you're hoping Mond at, for me, I thought Mond at, at like worst could be like a backup quarterback. Uh, it's hard to see that. Now you look at Mannion. Uh, I mean, the fact that they had to give him guaranteed money to come back is maybe what bothers me the mo- bothers me the most. Like last year, they gave him like two hundred fifty thousand guaranteed. I'm not saying it was like something outrageous. Oh, okay, but they gave okay. they gave him two they gave him two hundred fifty thousand guaranteed, and I was like, why? <laughs> maybe it was just like, <laughs> hey, dude, like you're you're probably gonna get cut, but we you know here's us doing you a favor. But like, I don't know. Either way, it's just it's one of those things that Mannion didn't look good. Um, we know Mannion knows the plays. We know that Mannion can throw to the first read because that's what he's told to do. Um, Mannion can run a huddle. And I think that it's an underrated aspect of being a backup quarterback is being able to literally run and run an offense. I'm not saying he's good or like good at it, but he knows the plays, he knows the protections, he knows the checks and some of those basic things that like people take for granted. With a with what a backup quarterback knows and and should be like even competent at, I think Manning can like do that. But everything else after that is not good. So the hard part is like, I just don't know what the point of keeping him around is. But I think the hard part is they didn't bring anybody else in to like even be competition for that third spot. So I'm not really sure. I think to Luke's point, you know, maybe they find a waiver wire pickup or or something like that. Like I threw out a few names of like guys that could be potentially traded. Like, uh, um, I thought Mike white before with the jets before, uh, the, the Zach Wilson injury. I thought that was a pretty decent one. Um, Taylor Heineke was Sam Howell playing pretty decent. He could just be a, like a, a salary cap dump. Um, and then, uh, what was the third one I had? Uh, PJ Walker, PJ Walker. PJ yeah. Walker. I think he'd be a, per- he'd be a perfect, like second, second string guy that, Hey, I don't want Mond getting in the football game. PJ Walker can get the job, at least something done. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's going to win you a football game. Like Luke's, like we, I'm not expecting a backup quarterback to win a football game, but I don't think he'd implode one either. We've seen him not implode some games too. So like, you just don't want the guy to be like complete nothing, and so or like a negative asset. So um, I think just trying to find one of those type of players to bring in, get rid of Mannion, and you might have to stash three quarterbacks this year, but. Um, I don't think getting rid of Mond is a good idea. I just don't. I think it's too early to waste. I think there's, to lose point, there is some opportunity there, maybe some backup potential upside. Um, I, I think, like I said, I, I think Mond could develop into a backup quarterback. Um, I'm not saying that's yay, but like he's a third round pick. I mean, if that's what you get and he's cheap for a couple more years, that's, I think that's, you know, the best you can ask for. 
Well, when I when I saw Mannion sail that front front uh, corner <laughs> wide open touchdown pass and sail it over his head, I mean, literally, I think any any one of us, even a reef, could have made that play, and, and he just completely <laughs> sailed it. Will I don't know. Over have you head. seen Have you seen a reef's hand size? I mean, I saw that one video of him, uh, him trying to play some uh, receiver, and I mean, I again, I saw some athletic skills there enough uh, to outdo old Mannion. So you did. Um, uh, Mond is not better than Jordan Love. I, I I would love to shit on the Packers, but Mond is nowhere near Jordan Love even. Oh man, mm. it's dark out here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, it's, and, it's, and, it's and like, I I feel I like don't our, even want him on for like a quarter, like. It, well, I feel no, like our fans are being yeah. like hypnotized a bit by the stat line because you look at the stat line. What was he like nine of fourteen for like a hundred and some yards and two touchdowns? Sure, yeah, it looks good. But you you look at like <laughs> if you actually look at the plays, <laughs> uh, if you actually look at the plays, um, and and, and uh, actually I think it was uh, what's the QB study with uh, J T O'Sullivan. JT O'Sullivan, that's right. And yeah. he really, literally broke really down like all of his throws. And and sure, yeah, he completes passes, but you have wide guys running wide open where you hit him in the scene there, anticipation, which is I mean, that's a hard thing, I think, for QBs to like get, but once they get it, they, they're really good at it. But you I'm have to saying, be able to anticipate just, guys. If Mon if Mon had been even a little bit better, we'd be talking about BC Johnson having a huge day. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I agree. I agree. You know what's funny about that JT video? Because it's a great video. Go to the QB school Mm -hmm. on YouTube. Go check it out, and you can learn about what Kellen Mond showed and also what he didn't show. Um, Sean Mannion made a bunch of the same exact misses, like on the same play calls and everything, like that same ball up the hash. And also, he doesn't have an arm. Like, What is it that you say you do here? (laughs) I would have cut him at the round of 85. Right. The, the the crazy part with Mannion is he should know those those basic things. It's like he's at a point in his career, like even just the basic the basic checks, like you should know those shouldn't be something you miss. But yeah. well, and the issue with that is they say he's still on roster because he's a really good clipboard holder. He's really good at the, in the QB room, and he's helping. I think Kirk her cousins with, is demanding it. Yeah, sure, but like he's really good at like helping Kirk with all this stuff. It's like. Well, if you're really good at seeing all this stuff and, and helping Kirk see this stuff, how are you not seeing it on the field? Like, sure, maybe you have athletic limitations. Arm talent well, it's like a coach. quite as... Well, it's like a coach, though. Like, you can see it when you're not the one that's in it. Mm-hmm. But when right, the second right. you get into it, it's that much harder. So I think Manning, maybe Manning becomes the next uh, Kevin O'Connell. You know, like, I was going to say, that was Kevin O'Connell. Yeah, He couldn't do right? it in real time, yeah. but he knew what he was looking yeah. at. Yeah, exactly. Wow. But like... You know, so I think I think with Mannion, I think he's a he's the like coaches love a Sean Mannion. Like every coach is going to love a Sean Mannion on their football team, but they don't ever want him to actually get in the game. So, yeah, Sean Mannion's gotten worse for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So obviously, backup quarterbacks a concern for all of us. Then maybe that's something that we need to look at on the waiver wire um, or via trade. Last week, it was also mentioned that center was a possible area that we were going to take a look maybe to trade uh compete with garrett bradbury um how did he play in your opinion in this game did he ease your concerns did he provide some optimism did he was a level flatter or did your concerns just continue to get worse he had like eight reps it's kind of hard to do anything about it in camp i mean he's had a rough camp um if you're gonna trade for somebody the the name that's in my brain that i can't get out of my brain is lloyd cushionberry um in denver they've got a fifth round rookie taking first round snaps he knows chris cooper it it like makes a lot of sense and then you dump bradbury i don't know the browns or something um that would be the move i don't think it's schlotman and reed is swapping between second team center and second team right guard and also is hurt so I don't think either of those guys are taking the job, but if you want to replace Bradbury, I don't. I, I think it has to come from outside the building. Cushion, Cushionberry, did he have some LSU. of the same concerns? Uh, yes, yes. I mean, I know where he's from. I know, you know, I remember some of his tape, but like he was also kind of a smaller guy that kind of gets pushed around. Am I wrong on that, or or is he have a better anchor than 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 Bradbury does? If they actually, if we hear some rumors, I'll look into that a little deeper. 
Sure. But my understanding is, yes, most centers are going to be a little smaller in wide zone s- schemes. You're not going to get some big giant like Mauler. Um, you're going to have a smaller guy that's going to have a 20 pound disadvantage on a nose tackle unless you want to completely change the whole scheme. But probably not as bad as Bradbury. That would be my guess. But I would want to go check on that before I like confirmed it. Well, yeah, I also I know think it, too. Go ahead, Miles. I was just going to say, I, I think the one thing about Bradbury, I'm not saying we should feel any sort of like comfort with Bradbury. He's obviously the weak link in the offensive line at the most important interior position. But um, Bradbury and most centers, they're better on with the five linemen with like, you know, in a team setting than they are in a team period than they are one-on-ones and, you know, in those situations. So again, we've seen Bradbury be a, a capable starting center. I'm not saying good, or I'm not even saying like, He's very much a lower, lower, lower tier, even starting fringe starting type center in the league. But we've seen him play decent enough football to where you can like work around him. The hope is your guards can make up for some of that. And I think like an Ed Ingram might help with that. I think if, if we see um, um, Ezra Cleveland take a little bit more of a step, maybe he can help with that as well. But the hard part is I think finding another center this late in the season, you know, in the, in the off season, to hope and then become the starter long-term for the rest of the season. That's the hard part, but you know, there's an opportunity there for sure, but they definitely can't go into the, into the regular season with Chris Reed, Austin Schlotman as like that, like de facto backup center. They just can't, they need somebody else that has a little bit more like opportunity. But the hard part now is the Browns are probably the team sniffing out, sniffing around the league for a center after they lost, you know, their top two guys. Yeah. That's why we got to give Bradbury to them, get him off the market. <laughs> <laughs> See, if, this, if they had brought in a better backup guard, like center for competition for Bradbury, you'd probably see that as a realistic op- option. Um, the hard part is like this late. Who was OC when in. they drafted him? Just saying. I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I, and I, I guarantee, <laughs> no, I guarantee Stefanski. I'm hoping they're I listening. Yeah, I guarantee Stefanski <laughs> called. Uh, he probably yeah. called uh, um, you know, Kevin and, and uh, Quasi and was like, hey, uh, what about Bradbury? And they were like, talk to us in like two weeks. <laughs> right. I will say I, I feel okay about Schlotman as a backup center. I don't think he can start, but I feel okay about him as a backup center. And I actually feel really okay. good about Chris Reed as like depth as like swing depth. I think he's been playing love, really well as like guard depth, Yeah. but none of yeah. these guys are starters. Yeah. That's the, so if you're not going to take Bradbury, um, right. Like if you're not going to go forward with Bradbury, <laughs> you're not going to find the starter on the rest of it. If we had wasted if we if we had wasted El, Elgin Jenkins as a as a center though I'd have been really pissed after seeing what that dude's been able to do at literally every position on the offensive line if he was our starting center still I'd be I'd probably be pretty pissed but that's probably what would have happened right yeah I actually it's funny that you had mentioned um, Cushenberry because uh, in you know PFF's you know mock draft simulator that they have I I think a hundred times probably had either him. Or Quinn Miners, who has center experience in college, um, oh, traded. I, we traded for them because I knew that they had a lot of depth with Dalton Reisner, and you know they had a lot of depth on that interior line. So I was like, we're going to grab one of them. We'll trade him back, Bradbury, and and a fifth or something like that, and let's roll. Um, so it's funny that uh, that's the team that you had mentioned, Luke. So um, all right, so we got you know a little bit of time left here. I wanted to. Uh, go into uh, this next week's uh, preseason game. Uh, again, just kind of what are we looking for? What are we looking to see out of um, from this game? And if you have specific players you want to talk about and uh, what we want to see from that or more overall team stuff. Luke, let's uh, have you start us off. Yeah, I, I just love some of the matchups. I feel like the 49ers are really set up to test the most intriguing players on the Vikings. Like they have really fascinating wide receivers. That is going to be an interesting test for Cam Dantzler. They got, you know, physical wide receivers and Dantzler, you know, he's the needle. Like, can he, can he hang with that? Um, you know, Trent Williams and let's see what Zadar- if Zadarius Smith can do anything. I don't know what kind of reps you're going to see from those guys. You're seeing a little bit in camp at least. So I don't know if all the starters are even going to go in. But if they are, I'm really curious to see if we can get some iron sharpening iron with those 49ers. And then otherwise, I just want to see how uh, something like somebody like Kyle Shanahan will give us a really interesting blueprint as to how to do this wide zone McVay Shanahan system with 
good use of lead plays. And it might, you know, we might be able to see, and I'm sure Connell already has all kinds of ideas for himself, but for us as fans, we'll get to see kind of like how the guy, the guy does this. Um, and hopefully that can give us like some sense for maybe some preview for how CJ Ham will be used. I saw someone mention like starters with the, with the practice, you know, the joint practices this week, I just don't see the starters getting any oper- any reps in the game. There's no point. That's what the, the practices are for. Uh, the, the coaches and, and scouts, they get to see what they want to see um, in those joint practices. So I wouldn't expect, I won't expect any of the start most of the starters, like the guys that w- we didn't see on, on Sunday play. Um, but like kind of what I'm looking for um, out of it. Um, and then coming going into the preseason game is um, I just want to continue to see the depth and the talent on the defense and see how they, how they rise up against an, a good offense, like, like the, um, like the 49ers. And like Luke mentioned today, it looks like the defense did pretty well overall. That's good to hear. I just kind of want to see that go into the game, especially for the depth pieces that they have and, and some of that competition. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, uh, Ed Ingram prove it. So obviously he looked fantastic against the twos and threes of the Raiders. Um, and, and not that I'm concerned, right? Like there's no concern here, but I want to, I want to, I want to see it. I want to see it with hopefully a couple of fringe starters, if not starters on the 49ers, uh, because they do have a really strong defensive line. So this would be a good litmus test for us to take a look and say, okay, yep, he's the real deal. Or do we have still some slight concerns that we need to iron out or that he needs to be coached on? Um, so that, that's one thing, obviously I want to continue to see, um, our other rookies, our other, again, I like to call them the top four, um, continue to be tested and, and hopefully show out. So Lewis seen, I want to, uh, as Luca alluded to, he's about a half step back from being the starter, right? Let's see if he can get a quarter step closer to that starter job by uh, play, continuing to play well. Um, Andrew Booth, can he clean some of that up? Again, I, I love the way both of those guys play and Asamoa, those three, uh, they they, they have that dog mentality. They have that anger uh, with, that they play with. And again, it's, it's constructive anger, right? Um, I, Miles, you're, you're a big um, yeah, proponent of this as well. You like to see that out of your defensive players because it sets a tone and it sets an attitude for the team. And I want to continue to see that out of Booth, Scene, and Asamoah um, as they continue to fight for these um, either premium backup spots, if not maybe starter spots. So awesome. Awesome. Well, very, very good. Luke, you know, do you have anything that you're currently working on? I know you started a new show recently, which is uh, I, I've tuned in and looks pretty awesome, right? So uh, talk to us a little bit about what you have going on right now in, in your world. Yeah, uh, doing the Minnesota football party twice a week. That is on the Locked On Minnesota Sports feed. It's me, Sam Ekstrom, Luke Inman, and Arif Hassan. It's the, the old fo- zone coverage football machine plus me. Uh, which and it's got a lot of the same vibes. So if you liked that, you'll like this. I'm also working on the history of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, the entire history. I've got parts one through three out um, on my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash NFL. You can find that there. You can also find it on zone coverage, all free to watch. Um, yeah, just a, a very emotional story about the whole team. Um, you know, this Saturday, we're going through the 80s. And then next weekend, we get to the part I know Y'all are really going to be excited for the 90s. We got Carter. We got Moss. Um, and, you know, I, I won't tell you how it ended. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if anybody is wanting to see that wonderful stuff that Luke is creating, and it absolutely is, and I recommend it for everybody, the links are in the show description. Just follow them there, and you can watch his documentary on the origins and the history of the Minnesota Vikings. It's absolutely outstanding, Luke. You are doing a great benefit for the Minnesota Vikings fans and uh, and the team. So I, I want to tell you, you thank you personally. I appreciate that, Dave. Thank you. Well, there it is. There it is. So please go check all that stuff out. Obviously, we will be here again next week, Miles High. I think Matt will be back in fold. He's He's got some family stuff going on tonight. So um, he'll be back in the fold next week. I'm not sure if we have a guest lined up, but uh, we'll, we'll, keep it, we'll keep that in suspense for the time being. Um, I do want to thank uh, Luke 
for being on tonight. Miles, thank you for showing up tonight as well. Uh, Dave, of course, for all your hard work uh, as, as the producer of the show. Um, all the listeners, you know, there's a tons of comments that came in tonight. Um, a lot more activity even than we typically have. Thank you to all of those who, who uh, joined in on the chat. And of course, thank you, Lake Monster Brewery, for sponsoring the show and, and, and being, you know, providing some of the best beer here in Minnesota. Dave, what do we have going on for the rest of the week? And, and then we'll wrap it up. Well, first off, if you don't know already and you were born yesterday, Luke is the person that is the one, the voice behind Locked On Vikings. It is your first Vikings listen every day. It hits my iTunes account first thing in the morning and I list. Listen, Luke is it. That is Luke. And if you like Luke, you can catch his writings over at Zone Coverage, which you can also catch Tanishka Mashkar of CTPs over there too. Good coverage. So just to let you know, as for the rest of the week, <clears throat> Two Old Bloggers usually does the pregame show. However, as you all know, Darren is on vacation. He will be flying back on Saturday, which is game day, back up from Nova Scotia up to Yellowknife. So he will not make it. We Two Old Bloggers will be on Sunday. We will review the game. The next Climbing the Pocket show will be the final score. We go live at the two-minute warning at the end of the game. Flip, myself, Jason, if he can make it, Matt, if he can make it, and anybody else that wants to join talking about your Minnesota Vikings and how they did against the San Francisco 49ers in U.S. Bank Stadium where the fans get together and shout skull. Awesome. Well, again, thanks, everyone, for joining tonight. And what do we say, gentlemen? Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing. Home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.